Hello, hello, and welcome to or welcome back to the Vibe Hive. It's me, Cheyenne, your amazing, beautiful, confident, strong host. <laughs> and in today's episode, we're going to be doing a little Q&A chit chat girl talk episode. Now, the reason why I was so overly confident and was gushing and bragging about myself so much in this intro more than I ever do in any intro is because I feel like this is going to set up the theme of today's episode. On my Instagram at the Vibe Hive and at Vibe Shy, if you're not following, I highly suggest that you do so you don't miss out on any Q&As or a chance to input your opinions on my later episodes. I ask you all to submit questions relating to confidence, love, relationships, self-esteem, or advice, anything of the sort. And thank you all so much for the responses. It really means a lot. Your interaction quite literally shaped this episode. Because I know sometimes <laughs> I know sometimes when I post questions on Instagram or when anyone poses questions on Instagram, no one wants to respond. So thank you all so much for engaging in this. But I wanted to get some questions and I wanted to get you all's opinions on certain topics pertaining to femininity or just life and one thing that I want to highlight is that just because this is titled girl talk does not mean that men cannot relate and gain anything from this conversation the reason why I wanted to title this episode girl talk is because according to anchor shout out anchor and thank you all for sponsoring this episode and all my other (laughs) episodes is because 62% of my audience identifies as female and 33% of my audience identifies as male. And then the other like two and 3% identifies as either non-binary or they didn't specify it. But the reason why I wanted to make this Girl Talk episode is because since I do have a platform and since I do have a voice to talk about certain things that people are either scared to talk about or either don't know how to talk about, I thought it was very important that I talk about certain things that pertain to being a woman and growing up as a woman and growing up in a society as a woman. But like I said, a lot of these questions and a lot of things that I'm going to cover in this episode is not just specifically for women. I also had some men and put some questions on here too. So don't think I forgot about y'all. I definitely didn't. Y'all are still in the back of my mind when I record this episode. But that's the vibe for today's episode. I'm just going to do a little Q&A and put my thoughts, my advice, my opinions, etc, etc. Just really chill because this is, I can't believe it, this is the second to last episode of season one. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. It's crazy. And I wanted to just do something that was low stress, something easy for me to do because my last episode, I'm going to put so much effort and so much thought and feeling and emotion into it because all I'm going to say is that the timing was divine, divine timing for how this all played out. I just want to thank you all so much for supporting me through this journey, through listening, through inputting your opinions and your questions, not just from this episode, but like from my Astro World episode as well. I asked you all to input some opinions and you all did. And I just want to thank you all so much for that. The support that I've been getting for this is insane. And I just appreciate it so much from the bottom of my heart. But enough of all the sentimental sad talking. Let's get into the girl talk. So a lot of the questions that I got, they kind of fall into similar categories. So I have set up seven different categories for me to talk about and where the questions fall. So let's start off with, hmm, what do I want to start off? I'm going to start off with the question about setting boundaries. The question is, 
how do you set boundaries without being disrespectful? Now, I got two questions about boundaries, so I'm kind of just going to answer both of them in this one question because the questions are pretty similar. As a person who has struggled with understanding what my boundaries are and understanding how to set them, I had to go through a lot of like, I had to go through a whole process and I didn't understand that setting boundaries was such a process, but it's so, it's so important to understand what your boundaries are and how to set them. So the first way I would say how to set your boundaries is to understand what they are. A lot of people, when they want to set boundaries, they don't even know what they are because they're so used to people overstepping them. So what I would say is to one, just analyze how you feel when someone oversteps a boundary. For example, it was a period in my life, and I talked about this in the Feminine Mo episode too. Go ahead, check that out, because I talk about a lot of the stuff that I do that I'm going to talk about in this and that. But it was a time in my life where I was really insecure about my body. I hated my body. I didn't like how it looked, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going to say this was around like track season, like my sophomore, junior year. I think it was like sophomore. I don't even remember. It was some time period in high school where um, it was track season. And the track uniforms were so, it made me so uncomfortable. They were like short shorts that really like revealed a lot of your leg. And they were like these tank tops and it revealed a lot of your arms. And my legs and my arms were like a big insecurity of mine. And I remember, was it a boy who said this? I can't really, I don't, I honestly can't remember if it was a boy or a girl, but the comment stuck with me for such a long time. And this comment made me like realize that this is a boundary that has been overstepped. and I need to say something about it. Someone had made a comment and said like, Oh, what are those? Somebody, somebody pointed out like some stretch marks on my head and they were like, Oh, um, what are those lines that are on your arms? And I was just like, what lines? Like, what are you talking about? Cause I didn't even know. I didn't even know that they were there. And the person was just like, oh, those lines that are on your arm, like, they look kind of weird. Like, are those stretch marks? Or like, what is that? And when this person said this, I immediately realized that, bro, I have a problem with people pointing out my body. And this was something that I already knew, but it just took this one moment for me to understand that. And I immediately, and I was around like a good amount of people and other people heard this conversation or heard this comment as well. So in that moment, I was like, okay, I have to set my boundary because now people heard this conversation. So I might as well make it known. And I was just like, I think I said it in a more disrespectful way, (laughs) but essentially I said, look, I don't know what it is on my arm, but I would appreciate it if you or anybody else not make comments about my body because you don't know what I'm going through. And I just left it at that. And then after that, the conversation was done. It was done. Like I said, I think I said it in a more disrespectful way, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) The boundary was set. I think that with setting boundaries, you just have, like I said, you have to know what makes you mad. You have to know what it looks like when someone oversteps that boundary and you just have to be confident enough you just have to know yourself well enough of how to set that or how to address that like the way I addressed it with with dude or girl who said this about my arm yeah I was disrespectful about it but let's say like if a friend or something oversteps a boundary 
you'll know how to set the boundary with who your audience is. Like, if it's a nearest and dearest friend that you have and they overstep a boundary, you should be able to be like, hey, I know you probably had my best interest in heart, but I would really appreciate it if you didn't so, 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 and so, because it makes me feel so, 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 and so. So, yeah. And that person should understand where you're coming from. That person should stop it. And if a person keeps on overstepping a boundary, you have to leave them out. Your, you have to get them out your life. Because if you've already set up a boundary and someone keeps on disrespecting it, it's nothing else that you can do at that point but to distance yourself from that person. No matter the relationship of the person, you just got to let that go, honestly. And to answer the second part of the question of how to not be disrespectful about it, just say it in a way that asserts your assert your dominance. <laughs> say it in the way that asserts yourself and that positions yourself so that the next person can't point it out or the next person can't poke a hole in your boundary. Make it clear exactly what it is that makes you upset, why it makes you upset, and that they shouldn't do it again. Those are the three steps to setting boundaries. Why, how, don't do it again. That's the clean cut. <laughs> That's the clean cut advice that I have about setting boundaries. So this next question is something that I am still trying to <laughs> find the answer to, but we're just going to talk about it anyways. So the question is, how do you get comfortable slash comfortable with yourself by being alone? This question, this question is so loaded and I could talk about it for so long, but I want to, you got me with this question. You got me with this question because this question is literally something I'm dealing with right now as we're recording this. So I think that we have to understand the connotation of being, of the of just the phrase being alone or alone in itself. When people think about being alone, people immediately equate that to something bad or something terrible or like something that's uncomfortable. And I think we have to detach our mind from immediately going to a bad place when we think about being alone, because being alone is not bad. Being alone is not a, like, embarrassing thing that you need to hide and keep to yourself, you know? So, that's number one. How do you how do you get more comfortable with being alone? That's a question that I really can't generalize that much. I can try, but I can't generalize it that much. Because being alone and being comfortable with yourself alone is such a personal experience that can look different for everybody. But... With my journey of trying to understand being alone and trying to understand, you know, just being, you know, comfortable with myself is that you have to really understand what your interests are and just overinflate them. <laughs> That's the best way that I have gotten comfortable with me being alone. For example, when I'm alone with myself, most I'm not I'm not even going to try to sit and act like I don't be on my phone because I can't stand this type of person who's like, oh, well, when I'm alone with myself, I make sure to do something very invigorating. Like, stop lying. That's not how it is all the time. <laughs> That's really not how it is all the time, at least with me. When I'm not on my phone, when I'm alone, I try to do things and I try to think about things that make me happy and do things that I know I can do by myself, which I would enjoy. For example, if I'm just like chilling in my room one day, I'll try to, you know, read. And I know reading is not everyone's thing, but I'll try to read. And while I'm reading, I'll try to like 
stay in the moment that I'm in. I'm hope that I hope that makes sense. It's like sure I can be reading a book, but it'll be some periods of time where like my mind will like get distracted with the book that I'm reading, and I'll try to just appreciate setting aside this time for myself. You have to appreciate that you're letting yourself be alone, that you're letting yourself enjoy just your own presence and your own company because a lot of the time we make sure that we're distracted we make sure that we're always around something we're always doing something that our mind is always stimulated but sometimes we just need to sit and appreciate the fact that we can be still beings and we don't need all of this overstimulation and just appreciate that you're giving yourself this time to do that so that's one you don't you don't have to necessarily be reading a book like come on now but with whatever you're doing, just appreciate that you are giving yourself this time to do it. The next thing I will say is do things that you wouldn't normally do alone so you can understand how you feel when you're alone doing it. For example, when I was younger, I used to always think it was weird when I seen people like go to the movies by themselves or like go out to eat by themselves. And I just thought it was the weirdest thing because my mind associated things like going to the movies and going out to eat as like a group activity but it doesn't have to always be a group activity if you want to go to your favorite restaurant or you want to go see a movie that you always wanted to see or you want to go to the mall or whatever wherever you want to go do it by yourself for one time and when you're doing it by yourself just I said this like just a few seconds ago but just really appreciate that you're doing something for yourself. Don't think about it as, oh my God, I'm going to the mall alone. I have no friends. No one loves me and I'm so alone and I'm lonely. And oh my God, my life is just so sad. Don't think about it like that. Think about it as, wow, I'm really showing up for myself. I'm doing something good for myself. I'm doing something that I really enjoy and I'm going to have the best time ever. That's how you have to think about it. Like most of the time when I go thrifting, oh, another thing. Find something that you really like doing by yourself. Me, I love going thrifting and I love going by myself because it gives me time for myself. It gives me just a time in the day where I may have, I may have been worried about everyone else. I may have been worried about other things other than myself. And I just give myself that time to just be with myself. And I really enjoy it. It's like, it's like retail therapy, but it's a whole nother like thing. Find something that you really enjoy doing by yourself, whether that's going to the movies, out to eat, shopping, reading, drawing, painting, whatever it is that you do, really find that one niche thing and just overinflate it and just do it all the time. Because the more that you do it, the more comfortable you'll be doing that one thing alone. And once you get really comfortable doing that one thing alone, you'll be willing to do a lot of other things alone that you wouldn't have done. And you'll find enjoyment and happiness in that. So, That's basically my answer to how to be comfortable being alone. And you have to be willing to want to be alone too. Like you can't just always look at things and be like, oh my God, like I'm seriously doing this by myself. No, be willing to do it alone and understand that just because you're alone doing it is not a bad thing. Everyone needs to make time out for themselves. No matter how old you are, no matter if you're a boy, if you're a girl, it doesn't matter. Everyone needs certain time to be alone and to appreciate themselves when they're alone, you know? Now, this next question is underneath of the confidence category. I'm not really going in like an order. I'm not going to go like set by set under the categories. I'm just kind of pulling from anywhere. 
it's kind of like I put all the questions in a hat and I'm just <laughs> picking them out. But the question says, why don't I feel confident in myself? Everything I do is to look good for everybody else and not me. You just answered your own question. I don't, <laughs> you just answered your own question. It's because everything you're doing is to look good for everyone else and not you. You know, when I was like struggling with my confidence and when I was struggling like with my appearance, I found that I was doing everything for everyone else. I was dressing for everyone else. I was talking for everyone else. I was doing things so people would approve of like what I was doing. And once I realized that that isn't the way I should be doing things, it immediately snapped. It, something snapped in my head and was like, I'm not living for myself. And that's why you don't feel confident in yourself. You can't, there is no possible way that you can ever be confident if you're putting on an act. Take, for example, um, Jim Carrey, right? Jim Carrey had a period of his life and of his acting career that he would get so into the character that he would forget about himself. Like, he would attach himself with this character so much that when he wasn't acting, he literally had a problem being with himself. Why do I bring this up? It's because when you're doing something for other people so much, you don't even know who you are. You don't know what you like. You don't know what you don't like. You don't know your favorite food. That's probably a, that's probably a stretch. But no, it's probably not a stretch. You probably don't eat your favorite food around people because people think it's nasty or something. The reason why you don't feel confident is because you're not doing what makes you happy. So to answer your question of why don't you feel confident, I literally answered it. Start doing things for you. Do things for yourself. Forget what anybody else has to say. Like, if you want to dress a certain way and other people think it's ugly, but you think it's the best fit that you ever put on, you feel confident and amazing in it, keep the fit on. If you like how you're doing your hair, but some, but this next person next to you doesn't like how you're doing your hair, if it makes you feel good, do it. If you want to get a piercing or a tattoo and people don't like it or people think it's weird, but you love it, do it. You can't live for the next person's opinion or approval because you will never, ever be happy. Ever. And if everything that you do is to look good for other people, you're never going to know yourself. Do you want to grow up and never know who you are? That's terrifying. To me, it's more scary and it's much more of a challenge to be comfortable with yourself and do things that make you confident than to just do what everybody else wants you to do. But it's so much more rewarding. It's so rewarding when you know yourself and when you understand yourself and when you are confident in yourself and you don't care what the next person has to say. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's not just going to be one day where everything that you've ever dealt with with confidence is just going to disappear. You're going to be the best, most confident person ever. Because a lot of people think that about me. A lot of people think that I just like woke up one day and was just like, oh, I'm just this confident being. I still have my days where I'm not confident. I still have my days where I'm not sure of myself. I still have my days where I find myself doing things for other people. But from where I was like two, three years ago, I have made a grand improvement. And it has it was not overnight. It was within two or three years that I finally got to the point that where I am where I'm at now. But to answer your question, like I said, do things that make you happy, not what the next person would approve of. Don't do things for other people because you're going to live a miserable life if you keep doing that.
So the next question that I'm going to answer, it's two questions, but they go hand in hand. So I'm just going to answer them as one. The first question is, how do I become more confident and stop comparing myself to others on social media? And the second question that goes along with it is, what made women immediately go into comparison mode? Or what made women objectify themselves? Was it their environment, parents, TV, music, media, etc.? So with the how to become more confident in this aspect and stop comparing yourself to others on social media, the biggest thing, the biggest thing that I want you to take away is that sometimes you can you need to take social media breaks. You need to take a break of constantly scrolling. And this doesn't even have to necessarily do with like confidence and comparing yourself, but you have to take a break from scrolling, seeing other people's lives, seeing just this influx of information all at one time, all the time, because our brains are not made to get all of that information in such a short amount of time. And it has definitely done something to our attention span. It has definitely done something to our attention span. I know it's done something to mine, but step number one is to just sometimes go on a break. You don't have to always live with social media. And to stop comparing yourself The first step with this is I would say don't follow people or don't look at people who you know makes you insecure or who you know makes you not so confident like in your body or how you're living your life or whatever. This can be really hard for people to come to terms with because it was really hard for me to come to terms with without me feeling like I was being bitter or anything. But I had to find myself, I had to understand that just because when I look at a person and they make me feel a certain way, it's not because I like am bitter about how they look or that I'm jealous of how they look. I'm looking at it as like, dang, I got to stop doing this because subconsciously I was doing it too. Even if I didn't blatantly say that, or even if I didn't blatantly like immediately feel the feeling of like comparison, comparison of comparison, like in that moment, I had to look and realize like this is not healthy I should not be doing this I'm not gonna lie it's a lot of people that I know in my real life that I look at and I'm just like oh my god I wish I could look like you I literally wish that my body was like yours I wish I lived my life like you oh my goodness and (laughs) with social media that thought becomes so much more inflated so yeah don't follow people or don't look at people that make you insecure about your body or make you insecure about yourself or make you less confident no hate to the person that you're not following or no hate to the person that you're not looking at but if if you're comparing yourself to this person it's not healthy to always look at this person so one just be honest with yourself about why you're looking at this person and why you feel that way about this person and then to answer the what exactly made women like get into this objective comparison mode it definitely is It's definitely the culture of pitting women against each other. Definitely. Since I was so young, this idea of always making women compete for either looks or power or money or whatever, it has been here forever. And that, at least in my opinion, that's what made women always compare themselves to the next. Because you have some women who are put on pedestals because of society or men or whatever and you have some women that are like below the pedestal because of society or men or whatever <laughs> that's where it at least for me that's how it came about 
women in society were always compared. So it's only natural that women themselves start comparing themselves to other people. So this next one isn't necessarily a question, more of like, what's my opinion on this? It says, the way men expect every woman's body to look the same and how damaging that is. Oh my God, thank you so much for submitting this because this idea is so damaging. It does not make sense. And something that we can point the finger at is how men are taught about women and women's bodies. When we're coming up like middle school and you're, you know, talking about sexual education and stuff like that, we are never taught about women's bodies. We're never taught anything about, well, we're taught a little bit about like women's anatomy and stuff like that. But most of the time, it's always male-driven. It's always male-focused. Like, the male's body parts and how, men, and how like, hormones affect men. We never hear about how hormones affect women. Why did I bring up middle school sex ed? Because when these men grow up, and I'm not trying to, before I get into this, I'm not trying to, like, put a target at men because I have a whole guys talk question segment coming up. So, yeah. But when those men grow up, they have this idea of what a woman should look like and how a woman's body should look. And in parentheses for this opinion, it said, um, like, being petite and stuff like that. When men grow up and they get this set idea that women should be skinny and slim or either women should have curves and have a big butt or how women's, like, personal parts you know what I'm alluding to but I can't say it because that's that's a fine line between me and anchor and I'm not trying to get this episode flagged but when men think of how like certain body parts and stuff should look it can be so damaging because if they believe that a woman's body should look a certain way they will see another woman's body or another woman's body parts and they will immediately start slandering it because they think that's not how it's supposed to look or they think it looks ugly or something like that and for the woman it's like, dang, what's wrong with my body? It's something wrong with the way I look. It's something wrong with my weight or my face or this or that. And growing up in a society, in a world that is constantly telling young women that something is wrong with them and they need to fix themselves, that can be really damaging because now they're not only hearing it from the media and they're not only hearing it from society, but now they're hearing it from people that they're around. They're hearing it from men that they've been at school with for however many years they're hearing it from men that they might be friends with and that is so damaging because that just immediately knocks down a woman's confidence to the men that are listening to this just be careful with how you bring up certain things about a woman's body or how you talk about women's bodies because you may not think that you're doing any harm but you really are you really are and just know and understand that every woman's body is different Every man's body is different. Everybody's body is built differently and made differently to protect them and to protect themselves. So just be more careful and more considerate and more sensitive when you talk about a woman's body because not all women's bodies look the same. So this next question is literally something that I was just talking about with one of my friends the other day. And the question is, 
How do you know if a thought is irrational slash overthinking or intuitive slash valid? And then the next question that they gave me is, how do you stop yourself from the irrational thoughts slash feeding into it? This is how I differentiate whether I'm overthinking or if it's something valid that my mind is telling me. When I'm overthinking or how I know that I'm overthinking about something is if I don't feel any type of bodily reaction. And this can be different for a lot of people. This is just how I know. You know when people say like trust your gut feeling? If I don't have a gut feeling about what I'm overthinking about, that's how I know I'm overthinking. If I know that what I'm thinking about is valid and that it's something worth me thinking about, I'll have like a bodily reaction. Like I'll have that gut feeling. I'll have a feeling in my stomach and I can't even describe the feeling, but I feel like everyone has that intuitive gut feeling. I'll know that I'm not overthinking if I have that or if like when I think about whatever I'm overthinking about, if the rest of my body like starts to feel really tense, I'll know that I'm not overthinking it. But like I said, this is only this is only me. I don't know how other people are because I know sometimes other people, they may overthink about something and then like their body tenses up. And I don't want them to think that like, you you know, you know what I'm saying? It's different for everybody. But I think like on a general aspect, the way to know if you're overthinking or if you have a valid reason is if you can attach the overthinking to something tangible, like something that wasn't made up or something that you didn't make up to try to uh, justify or validate validify that's not a word validate your overthinking like for example let's say you're overthinking about if your friends secretly hate you if your friends have done nothing to make you feel that way or if they've done nothing to like prove that they hate you then that's overthinking then that's not tangible but if they have done something that you can like point out and it's like oh well yeah they definitely hate me because they did that you have to be really careful with that part though because you may also be overthinking what they did but that goes back to setting boundaries if they did something that makes you mad bring it up but you get the point if you're able to attach your overthinking to something tangible and valid then nine times out of ten you weren't overthinking it or you were overthinking it who knows that's just how i differentiate the two And how do I stop myself from feeding into the irrational thoughts? I learned this uh, method from this lady that I went to for like counseling and help. I think I I think I brought up the fact that I like sought out my own like counseling either in my very first episode, Life After High School, or either in my mental health in the Black community episode. One of the two, I can't remember specifically, but. Um, shout out this woman. She was amazing. She helped me with a lot of things, helped me overcome and break through a lot of things. Just shout out her. (laughs) She was amazing. But what I learned is like, when you're overthinking, think of your thoughts as a car, right? And as you're overthinking, the car is going and going and going. But imagine literally a roadblock in your mind. Like soon as you, soon as you start overthinking, or soon as you start you know, um, not thinking rationally, stuff like that. Just imagine a roadblock, like literally a roadblock. It doesn't matter if it's a road sign, if it's like one of those little like yellow, like things that literally stop you from going past, like in your car, whether that's like a crossing guard, literally like holding their hand out to stop. 
think of something that reminds you of stopping. It can be a stop sign. It can be, I don't know, cats going across the street. <laughs> think about literally anything that would physically make you stop. Because just psychologically, when we see like certain colors like red or when we see certain colors like yellow or orange, we think of hazard and we think of stop. So if you can just imagine those colors or either like a road sign, like telling you to stop or a stop sign in your head, it will help a lot. It sounds silly, but I promise you it has gotten me through days of overthinking. It has gotten me through. It seems silly, but I swear by it. I swear by it. That's how I've stopped myself. If that doesn't work, though, just stop and think to yourself, am I thinking rationally? And it's hard. I'm telling you, the the crosswalk and the like road sign way and the stopping and asking yourself, am I thinking rationally way? They're both hard because when you're overthinking that much, trust me, I know. When you're overthinking and when your thoughts are just going rapid fire, it's hard for you to just stop and try to just chill for a second and be like, whoa. Take a deep breath. Let me breathe out. It's hard to do that. It's something that gets easier over time, but you have to make the first step somewhere. And you just have to keep doing it because as you keep doing it, it'll get easier. But that's how I stop myself from the irrational thinking and not feeding into how do you walk in your femininity is it a big deal to you just listen to the whole feminine mo episode <laughs> just go listen to the whole feminine mo episode i literally talk about this <laughs> but um the way that i walk in my femininity now is honestly just allowing myself to like what i like and not attaching femininity to any societal norm or anything like that that's how I walk in it and I just own my I just own it you just have to own it sometimes like sure I may not dress like the like how society wants me to dress as a woman but do I care no <laughs> because I'm just gonna walk in my own self that's what I think femininity is to me and honestly it's not that I mean now that I think about it, it's not that big of a deal to me to be feminine or come across as feminine because either way it goes, people are going to perceive me how they perceive me. I can be dressed in the most feminine outfit ever, but if a person looks at me and decides that I don't look feminine, then that's just how it is. But it's not that big of a deal to me and I just walk, I just own myself and I just own my own confidence, my own interest. And that's what femininity, femininity is all about. Now, this is one of the questions that came from the men. Shout out y'all. <laughs> now, this question says, why does one man mess it up for everyone else? I was waiting for this question because all men suck. No, JK, 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 relax, relax, relax. Um, Speaking from me, I can't speak on all women here, but I think that I can speak for a certain amount of them. I don't think that is necessarily one man that messes it up for everyone else, right? I think that what it is, is all the men before that has made um, said woman fed up and has made her so mad. So when one man does something, she's just done. Like she's like, I don't want to deal with men right now. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. And then you get the, all oh, men are no good. All oh, men are the same. This is this. And that's because... We have gone through the same thing with multiple men. So when it keeps on coming every single time, we're just like, oh my God, all men are the same. Granted, just because you've dealt with a select few men and they've been stupid, 
It doesn't mean that's how all men are. Same thing applies to men who think that all women are the same. Juice World literally made a whole song about it. All women are not the same. It's just the women that you have dealt with. And because of the fact that you have been done wrong by women or men in the past, so now you think that's how everyone is. That's not the case at all. And um, if you have messed with anyone who, like, legit said that, like, you messed it up for everyone else, you must have done something crazy. <laughs> you must have done something crazy because I haven't met anyone like in real life that has actually like thought that way. I, I I've never run into anyone like that, but yeah. So the next guy related question <laughs> is how can I tap into my emotions without being too sensitive slash knowing if what I'm doing is rational? Even women have to deal with this for sure, but I think that if you're a person who like who who have ignored your emotions and ignored the way you felt for such a long time, it can be hard to try to jump back into that and to try to like understand what you're feeling. I think that the way to do that without being too sensitive is to you have to analyze how you react to certain people. Like for example, if someone like talks about something that's really personal to you and you get upset, you're not being too sensitive because that's something that really affects you, you know, but you'll know you're being too sensitive. If someone is like, uh, I don't like the outfit you got on today. And you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe you said this to me. Like, okay. Now you know that you're, <laughs> now you know you're doing a little bit too much. Like you can calm down. But aside from those like general <laughs> little like pieces that I threw out, I think that you have to allow yourself to be emotional because a lot of men, they don't allow themselves to cry. They don't allow themselves to be sad. They don't allow themselves to feel anything other than anger or happiness. <laughs> and I think you just have to let yourself feel these emotions by yourself. You don't have to be around other people to like feel these emotions. Just understand what the emotions are and how they make you feel and go from there. And as you go on this like journey of feeling and stuff like that, you'll start to know, you'll pick up and understand what is rational and what is you just being sensitive. You trust me, trust me, you'll know because people around you will let you know. Now, this next guy centered question really had me thinking like, this was one of the questions that I had to get my response ready for because I was so. I was so taken aback by it, but here's the question. It says, oh my God, there's something in my eye. Wait. I got it out. I'm safe. I'm fine. <laughs> the question is, since girls are more emotional, do they always feel their emotions super deeply? Is it forced or is it genuine when they do things out of emotion? Um, I'm just going to speak for myself because like I said, this question is something that every girl can answer differently so this time I'm speaking just for myself I would say that I definitely do feel my emotions like super deeply um even like when I was trying to act like I didn't feel them deeply or even when I was trying to act like they weren't there I definitely did and um would I say always mm, mo nine times out of ten I am feeling my emotions <laughs> very deeply I am always I'm always in my feelings and the feelings are not always bad. They can be excitement, happiness, um, being anxious, being sad, being um, stressed out, et cetera, et cetera. Like I definitely feel all the emotions very deeply, no matter what emotion that it is.
And to answer the question of is it forced when they do things out of um, emotion, to me, it's not forced at all. It's never forced because my emotions are me in my rawest form. It's me in my most natural form. So I'm not forcing anything. If I do something out of anger, it's genuine anger. <laughs> if I'm doing something out of happiness, it's genuine happiness. I never find myself forcing myself to be emotional. If anything, I find that sometimes I try to force myself not to be so emotional on certain topics. Like when it comes to topics about um, like things that don't pertain to me, like if my friend is going through something, I can't be too emotional with that because that one has nothing to do with me. Sometimes it does, but one that has nothing to do with me and two, it's not my life and my emotions can get too involved in that. And then it leads to me being stressed out and drained out because my emotions have been pulled because of this other situation. So if anything, sometimes I wish that my emotions were not so deep. So the next question that we're going to tackle is what are some confidence boosters that you have or how do you gain confidence? This is the best way that I can explain how I gain confidence. I don't know if this is going to work for everyone, but this is just how I did it. So the first step that I took of trying to gain more confidence was faking it until I made it. Fake it till you make it. My mom gave me this advice when I had first came to her and was talking to her about like um some of my like confidence issues and like self-esteem issues and stuff like that. And I'm very grateful for, for her. Shout out mom. If you hear like rattling, it's my bracelets. <laughs> but shout out her. And I'm so grateful and thankful that I was able to come to her with something like that and she was able to understand me. But she told me to fake it till you make it. And when I heard that, I was like, faking it? what but it makes so much sense so I started just faking like I was confident I started faking like I liked my body I started faking like I had zero problems with myself I started faking like I believed that I was the best person ever it was um <laughs> it was a period of time where like on like my socials and stuff like that my name would be like the best or like the baddest and Sure, at the time that I was doing it, I didn't feel that way. But over time, I kept reading it and I kept telling myself that, that I tricked my brain and I started believing it. And now I actually do think that I'm the best. <laughs> but the key concept of faking it till you make it is kind of like this. It's a psychological thing. If you tell yourself something enough times, your brain will start to believe it and your brain will start forcing you to see what you're telling yourself right I had an uncut episode about like perspective and how important it is like what you tell yourself this is one this is like the same concept things like affirmations every morning that's another thing like affirmations every morning or night you know looking look in the mirror when you're doing it too looking in the mirror telling yourself like you are beautiful I am beautiful I am the best I am loving I am considerate I am a ray of sunshine. I am this, whatever, whatever you want to believe for yourself is what you should tell yourself. So those are like two confidence boosters that I have. Another confidence booster, which also like leads into <laughs> the next question. I'm the go at segues. I'm sorry, the go at transitions. I, <laughs> I really do this, but 
Um, another way that I make sure that my confidence is up and boosted is by maintaining a routine. Um, I had a question that said tips on maintaining routines. I make sure that every morning I give myself at least 30 minutes to just be with myself. And when I do this, I usually meditate and I journal and I try to read and then I get ready because I'm in such a routine of going to school and coming home, et cetera, et cetera. But I make sure to give myself at least 30 minutes to do everything I need to get done. And in those 30 minutes, I'll take at least five minutes to just like, okay, oh my God, this is going to sound so egotistical, but it, it, it really helps. I take at least five minutes to look at myself in the mirror. Just look at myself. Just look. Some days I'm just standing there looking. Some days I'm standing there listening to my music, feeling myself, got some Megan Thee Stallion on or something. I'm like really feeling myself. Other days I'm just making sure I'm looking in the mirror when I'm brushing my teeth or something. I was not confident in how I looked. I felt ugly. I felt like I wasn't beautiful. So doing something like that, looking at myself and getting used to how I look and appreciating how I look, it helped a lot. And doing it every single day, it helped. Some days it was worse than others. Some days I wish that I wasn't looking at myself, but that's the importance of keeping a routine is that even on the days where you don't feel like doing it, you have to do it because it's going to become a muscle memory. Also tips on keeping a routine. One is to do the routine even if you do not feel like it. It has been many times where I would wake up in the morning and I would not, I, I didn't feel like doing this 30 minute routine. If it took 30 minutes, it probably took longer. It probably took, you know, less time. But it is very important to do routines when you don't feel like doing it. Me currently, I'm still trying to, <laughs> I'm still trying to get my night routine down because I have a bad habit of just wanting to go straight to sleep. So it's really important that you push yourself to do whatever your routine is, even when you don't feel like it. In a way to make sure that you do that routine, which is like another tip of mine, is to set reminders on your phone when to do it. Because nine times out of 10, you're on your phone when you don't want to do the routine. <laughs> so you're going to see these reminders. Set a reminder like 30 minutes, before, not even 30. Set a reminder like f five or 10 minutes before the routine to do it. Because when you see it, you're going to think like, oh, dang, I got to do it. And hold yourself accountable too accountability is a huge thing when it comes to maintaining routines. So one, doing the routine and doing the parts of the routine that you don't feel like doing. And two, setting reminders to do the routine. So we're going to wrap it up. This is the very last question. The question is tips on making new and genuine friends. Honestly, <laughs> I'm the worst person to ask this question because it's hard for me to make friends. It really is. Like, I have a solid, stable friend group, and I love y'all. Y'all know exactly who y'all are. Shout out y'all. Love y'all so much. But making new friends is hard. But I kind of do know. I know what I need to do to make new friends. I'm just scared to do it. <laughs> I'm going to keep it real. But um, one tip that I would say is if you're still in high school or college, too. Yeah, college, too. Join the clubs. Join the clubs. Get involved in your school. Get involved in organizations. That is the best way to make new friends because, one, it's forcing you to be social. It's going to force you to talk to the people there. And, two, 
you and the people there, y'all both have a common interest. Whatever club that you just joined, say you joined drama club or something, you and everyone in there likes drama. More than likely, you all are going to have a multitude of different similar interests. So that's one thing. That's one way to make new, genuine friends that can really differ like with genuine or not but that's one way to make new friends when I was in high school I met some of my closest friends and formed some of the best relationships through clubs and through sports and it definitely made me more social and it made me more comfortable being social too because I was always around people I always had to talk I always had to be approachable tip number two make yourself approachable I have a bad habit of having a RBF. People tell me all the time that I look mean or that I look upset or that I look like I'm just like mad about something. And I genuinely do not try. I genuinely do not try, bro. A lot of my closest friends, they have told me like, Cheyenne, I thought that you were so mean when I first met you. And I was like, no, oh my God. I'm never beating the you mean allegations. I'm never beating them. But you have to make yourself approachable. And this is something that I'm still working on now. But just check in with yourself. If you're in a group setting or you're like around friends, you're around new people, take a quick, take your phone out real quick and get a good look at yourself. And be like, do I look me right now? Let me, let me lighten up a little bit. Let me change how I'm looking. And that's not necessarily changing your personality. It's just changing if people are going to approach you or not, because you can miss out on a lot of opportunities and a lot of friendships if you don't make yourself approachable. Because if I see somebody that looked mean and looked like they didn't want to be bothered with, I'm not going to bother them. Tip number three that I have of making new genuine friends would be to actually interact with the people that you follow on social media. I have formed some good friendships and relationships and they have led to good friendships like in real life. Because I started talking to people that I followed or they started talking to me. Like, for example, most of the people I follow, I know in real life or I used to know in real life. Like, we either went to the same school or, like, I seen them at, like, some social event and we talked one time and then we followed each other. Or I know them through, like, other people, et cetera, et cetera. That's kind of, like, who I follow and who's on my, like, social medias. And majority of the time we're always posting the same thing or we have similar interests so sometimes you just have to be the one to make the first move if you see that they posted something that you relate to or that you like bro swipe up on it laugh about it start a conversation because nine times out of ten they want people to respond to what they're posting maybe that's just me and I'm just projecting but <laughs> nine times out of ten they do want people to respond to what they're saying especially if you and a close friends if you want a close friends, definitely interact with them. But that's an easier way to make new genuine friends and it can lead to actually good genuine friendships. Also, it takes out being social. That's what social media is for. Social media is to talk to people, to be social. That's literally why it's called social media. Let's think with our heads, people. <laughs> but it takes out the weird aspect of actually verbally talking to people, of making sure like you look approachable. And also it it breaks down just a barrier immediately because you don't have to worry about all that. It just makes it so easier to talk to people. And honestly, I enjoy it a lot. Like if there's ever anybody that you see like on your Instagram or your Snapchat or your Twitter or whatever you using, 
if there is somebody that you've always thought like I want to get to know them more like I just want to be friends with them bro talk to them like it's not that hard. it's not that hard I promise you just talk to them because at least on social media if it goes bad you can block them and forget about them and you never knew them in real life so now you don't have to have any awkward interaction with them you know so those are my tips on making good genuine friends also I feel like you just know in your gut if a person is genuine or not based off of their actions and just based off of how you feel with them and how the conversation goes we all become friends that's all i have in me for today's episode thank you all so much for tuning in to the girl talk q a this was the most fun that i have ever had with the episode so thank you all so much for your interaction with submitting questions asking my advice on things my opinions etc etc it really means a lot to me and i cannot thank you all enough because without y'all i wouldn't have an episode <laughs> legit i would not have an episode if you want to stay up to date with any of the Vibe Hive updates or you don't want to miss out on submitting a question and having it answered by the best podcast host ever, make sure you all are following me on my socials at the Vibe Hive is the podcast Instagram, T-H-E-E-V-I-B-E-H-I-V-E. My personal Instagram is at VibeShy, two S's, two Y's with a period in the middle. My Twitter is the exact same thing, VibeShy without the period. And I have recently deleted Facebook, so that will not be part of the outro anymore. <laughs> my apologies i'm sorry i just couldn't do the app anymore the next episode is the last episode of season one i cannot believe it the timing for this is divine that's all i'm gonna say be on the lookout for an uncut episode in between this one and the next episode i love doing uncuts it's a more chilled laid back episode if you want to get an uncut raw version of me make sure you check out the uncut episodes as well while you're at it, make sure to rate my podcast on Apple and or Spotify. It really means a lot when you all rate. It helps me understand what you all like, what you all don't like, and it just produces better ratings for the podcast. And I would love if more people listened. It would mean a lot to me. So it takes like three seconds to do. I promise you, I timed it. If you can take three seconds out of your day, you listen to a almost hour long podcast. I think three seconds, three seconds is not gonna make or break your day. <laughs> I would greatly appreciate it if you went and rated the podcast. With all that being said, thank you all so, so, so much for this opportunity. It means a lot that people are genuinely, genuinely, I can never say that word correctly, listening to me, supporting me, the support that I've gotten for the podcast this far. It means a lot to me. It really does. And I'm not trying to get sentimental, so I'm going to wrap it on up. <laughs> With all that being said, I will see you all later at the Vibe Hive.